Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Loud Coffee Press. Loud Coffee Press is a lifestyle brand and a literary magazine for creatives of all kinds. Um, they accept poetry, flash fiction, short stories, and art submissions. Um, and they're always looking for new, new artists to work with. They actually also just dropped an inspirational book made specifically for writers. It's called Creative Home. And I can't express how helpful it's been in my own writing process. Highly recommend you check that out. Um, and this is pretty cool. They're actually working on an RPG or a role-playing game called Eight Bells Bluff. They have a Kickstarter going, and they're trying to drop that for 2021. Super cool stuff. Um, so you can find them online. You can connect www.loudcoffeepress.com. All right. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. You know me. I'm your host, Glenn. Today we have a special guest, uh, Mark Scheinbaum. Did I say that right, Mark? Oh, you got it. All right. He is an author and a retired business executive. Mark, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Thanks very much, Glenn. Great for the I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Um, so I think we can kind of start off uh, first. You and I have a mutual connection who has also been on the show. Uh, ben Tanzer is the one that linked us up. Yep. Um, and I know he does a lot of work with uh, with authors and writers, and that's kind of where you and I connected. But I, I also am aware and doing my homework for the show, kind of you know, recognize that that's not really where your career began. This is kind of, a, I think, to use your words, a second career <laughs> expanse right. of the, the resume, so to speak. Um, so I figured we'd kind of start off uh, with the writing um, and then talk a little bit about your background and then come back to the writing. If that makes any sense. Sounds great. Um, so, how did you and how did you and Mr. Tanzer link up? Yeah. So, um, Ben, uh, I met through uh, a lot of contacts that I've made in the let's call it the writing community. And, and as you said, Glenn, um, I'm somewhat new to the writing community. I've spent 35 years uh, as a business executive uh, in mostly in large companies, and uh, when I uh, pivoted away from that career um, a few years ago. I uh, went and pursued uh, my first passions, which were, which goes back to my literally my high school and college days of of, of uh, creative writing, um, and finally had the time in my life to to do that. And um, I was lucky to connect up with uh, a writing workshop in uh, the town uh, that I lived in, Westport, Connecticut and uh, called the Westport Writers Workshop, of course. And literally it's a community of people who are trying to you know, create. And um, it has a you know, wonderful set of instructors who help you through the writing process. But then through that, you just meet a whole bunch of other people who are going through a similar journey and some of whom have reached the same level where I find myself now actually publishing a book. And now you go through the process, okay, well, well, now how do you get it out there and how do you promote it? And so uh, Ben's name came up in one of those little uh, mini workshops I went to. And, you know, somebody said, like, if you're ever going to have a need to, for a publicist to promote your book and help you think about how to get it out there and, and people get it in front of people to read, 
uh, you have to you have to talk to Ben Cancer. So that's how mm-hmm. I met Ben, and uh, he's been terrific. Yeah, he's a he's a very good teacher in himself. Um, that's actually kind of how I found him too. Him and I are older friends, but um, you know, I I kind of reached out. I was beginning my writing career. I was a little bit younger than him in college, kind of looking for some guidance on how to kind of get started there. And this was pre-social media days, <laughs> I would say. Yeah like blogging was just kind of coming out, but some of the advice that he shared uh, really helped resonate. And I still use it to this day. So, you know, I, I imagine that combined with your eclectic background within the business realm has kind of led you down a path that I think it seems like you have a grasp on. So let's talk a little bit about your, your background. You have um, again, an eclectic business background. One of the more notable companies I noticed you were working with was JP Morgan among many others. But how does, how, how does one make that transition from business executive back to their, their roots of the creative writing? Where did that come from? It's a great question. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, there's no straight path to that. I think Mm -hmm. part of it is, is, um, uh, being willing to put yourself out there. I mean, this is, it's a very uncomfortable place for me at the beginning to go into a room full of people um, who some of whom were, I thought thought were immensely talented writers um, who had spent a lot more time uh, perfecting their craft than I had. Uh, I didn't do a lot of writing as a business executive. um, I mean, other than presentations. So, um, you know, I'd say probably the the most important thing was having the courage to go in and and expose myself Mm -hmm. um, as, you know, you know, certainly at the beginning, I said, well, I don't, I, 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 this is not what I've done, but being willing to just go in there and just read what you wrote to people, um, good, bad, or indifferent. And, you know, I think finding anybody who's interested in doing it, finding a safe place, which certainly the writer's workshop that I attended uh, was right from the very beginning. Um, and it was amazing how I still can remember the first couple of classes I went to were just writing prompts, right? They give you three sentences, go take, you know, take the next 20 minutes and write whatever you want and then we'll read it. And I still could remember the physical feeling. I mean, not, not just emotional, but physically my body feeling when I wrote something that I felt good about. It was like, it was, it was amazing. I was, it was draining even that 20 second, that 20 minutes of writing because I put something in there of myself, and I had not, you know, I hadn't felt anything like that, really, in 40 years since my really my high school days when I used to love creative writing. Um, so that was kind of amazing. So I, I think that was that gave me the the courage. And and as I continue to get coached by people like Ben, uh, who've gone through similar journeys, um, it does. You know, you really have to be willing to put yourself out there. I mean, I, I think that's probably the yeah. biggest thing I remember. I could tell you about writing, and then and having people read it, is you know it takes courage, and and you just have to, you know, be willing to do it. And and, it, and it's great. I, I remember when I finished my book and finished my the novel that I that I wrote and about to publish, um, I was like just so frightened to give it to the first person, like the complete version, not not an editor. An editor obviously you know, um, is working with you. But then when I gave it to somebody who was, you know, a, an, an arc reader or a friend or a family member, I just was, uh, uh, what are they, you know, what are they going to think? What are you, it really, 
it it really kind of freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, that, that first time, and and once you start getting some positive reaction, you go, oh, I guess it's pretty good, um, and you build that confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know to touch base on what you said earlier, the uh, finding yourself in a supportive community like that is pretty important when you're cultivating a especially a skill like writing, but any any creative skill when you're cultivating something like that, you need a community around you who's not only going to, you know, um, I guess, praise you, but also at the same time, like, let you know when you're, you're full of it, you know, like, this isn't working, man, you got to fix this, you know, Absolutely. I think that that yeah. honesty piece is a big piece of that, that network, it right. Is, and I it's difficult, been, yeah. because, like you said, that you, you give something like that, that you like, put your heart and your soul into with, uh, and you, uh, I should say, for, you know, essentially yourself, but then you, you start to share it with the world and especially people who are close to you, you know, that's putting yourself in a light that is not easy to stand in. <laughs> right. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. It, it's, it, you know, I'm in some advanced workshops now writing a, I'm working on my second novel and these people are really good. I mean, they're really good. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I could feel really good about myself and, and all the accolades I'm getting on, on the, the first novel that I finished but these people, as you just said, they're going to let you know what doesn't make sense, what's what's bothering them. Um, and by the way, uh, for anybody who's going to the workshops, I will say the other thing, just as a other piece of coaching, when you do that is, you know, there are six people in our workshop and there might be something you read and three of them love something and three of them have a bad reaction to it. And you can't make yourself crazy with that, right? It, it's you're right. getting reactions from people and the whole purpose is to get a reaction how readers might take it. And guess what? readers might take your great book very different ways. We all read books, right? We all read lots of novels and we all come, sometimes we come away with different impressions of it. And that's, that's what makes it a game, right? That's what makes it fun. Exactly. Um, and, and it's, it's, it is a Russia's test of what people will see. Um, but, you know, for your listeners also, I'll say, you know, what you said before Glenn about putting stuff out there and how you transition, you know, it, I could have transitioned to anything. I mean, meaning, people transition all the time to different parts of their career. Some people do it earlier in their career than I did. And some people do it later um, when they retire and, or when they're, you know, some people get, unfortunately, you know, they have unfortunate situations where they might lose their job or they um, and they've got to find something different. Building and having a support network is really, really critical for transitioning any kind of life transition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, it's, it could be really lonely out there when you're doing something by yourself, when you've all of a sudden, you know, when you've, you've been used to doing it with other people, whether it's in a big company like JP Morgan Chase, or it could be your small company you have. Uh, now you're trying to do something different. So, you know, uh, building your network of support layers while you're working and then leveraging that after you, when you're in that transition or building a new one. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm still building it you know, network of people who are in this writing community, people like yourself and, and Ben and many others, and people are very generous, um, incredibly so. You know, it takes, you think, and I've even reached out to a couple of really famous authors and they said, well, I'll never hear from them and they respond. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, very, uh, um, you know, gratifying to, to see that. And I think, you know, just like I said, putting yourself out there with your writing is one thing, but putting yourself out there asking for help from anybody is tough. It's tough to right. do that. And so I would encourage people who are, you know, trying to do something different, you know, don't be bashful about, um, about asking for help. 
Sure. Absolutely. Um, can you, are there any parallels between, and maybe this is, this might be too specific of a question, so feel free to kind of sure. pivot if you want, mm-hmm. but are there any parallels between a support network that you're trying to create for yourself within like a, within a career centered around business versus a creative career, like something like writing? Like, is there, are there parallels between developing each network or are those two things totally completely opposite? I think there's a lot of parallels. I mean, again, it's, it's um, you know, look, I, I certainly, as you build a network in a, in a business career, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is part of it is to reach out to people and who you don't have anything to do with. I've, I always, I mentor a lot of people and I always say, look, if you, if you want, you know, somebody, if you want that person over there to be helpful, um, you know, it's, or help you find something else. It's, it's good to bring something to the table, right? You know, how are you going to help them with what they're doing or how are you going to bring some skill set that that person might need? It it is a little more, I mean, realistically, it's a little, you know, a little more uh, of people, you know, what have you done for me lately type of thing in in the business world. It just is. I would say that people, as I said, in the writing world are much more generous. (laughs) They just Mm -hmm. are. I mean, people, you know, everybody's been through this journey at some point, even the most successful author, you know, uh, has had rejection. Um, and, you know, some of us in the business world haven't had a lot of rejection. We're not used to it. You know, we've, we've had uh, you know, a lot of success. I, I've been very fortunate. I had a lot of success, but um, certainly had my, I've gotten knocked down plenty of times though, and had to dust yourself off and get back up. But writers is a, I mean, what writer hasn't had rejection? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's know, part of the either, either from a reader or from an agent or from a publisher or, or or uh, or reviewers. I mean, you've had rejection. You have to have a thick skin, uh, mm-hmm. and and be willing to, you know, to deal with that. But so so I think um, I think we've all been through it. So I think as I as I reach out to people who've been through this journey, people are just as I said, very generous and very you know willing to help. But you know, it, in in your in your other career pursuits, um, you know, you might not always find people that generous. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't be out there asking. But I will say. You know, if you're young in your career, uh, early in your career, I should say, um, it's it's never um, you should always be thinking about how you're building your network, and and building your mentors and mentees, and you know, um, you know, I, I, I there's been I've had plenty of people who, you know, lost touch with me over the years, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, they they call 20 years later and and they're looking for something. That's kind of hard when you've been out of touch that long, as opposed to sure. somebody who's stayed in touch and and uh, over the years and and you know continue to keep that web of their community together. Um, and it's really really important as you as you build your career and 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 as I said, when you when you when you're looking to pivot to other things, having people having a broad network of of uh, contact is really important. Absolutely. Um, and I think, uh, you know, one of the key things you kind of touched base on there that I would like to highlight is the, the act of bringing value to that relationship, no matter the prospect, right? Whether it's yep. creative or, or business, but the act of bringing value to that relationship and not just making it seem like it's, you know, yeah, of course you want the outcome, but there has to be that give and take, right? There needs to be something Absolutely. there for, you know, whoever you're reaching out to, to kind of want to help, um, I Absolutely. think I think it's it's definitely more abundant within the writing community because I think so many writers can empathize with other writers who've been rejected because they know that feeling. 
very well, especially now in the days of social media. Um, but what is to you, what does that mean to bring value to the relationship? Now, that could be in a creative realm or it could be in the business realm or it could be some sort of blend. But what is what does that mean for you? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly in, in the business realm, it's, as I said before, bringing something to the table. I mean, I, I've had many people, I think about examples of the years where let's say somebody's in has had a finance career and they come and say, well, I really want to, I really like to go move into marketing. Um, well, you know, it depends on where you are in your career, but you know, sometimes that that's a tough pivot, not impossible, but sometimes it's tough. So mm-hmm. often I would sell, tell somebody, well, you know, maybe there's a, there's a position in marketing that needs finance skills or, or you know, financial skills. And so maybe that's a role that you should pursue first and we can work on together to get you there because then you're bringing your finance skills to the table, to the marketing team. Um, and that's a way to get your foot in the door and get established in marketing. And then you get chances to expose yourself to other things in marketing and make, and make the full pivot. Um, quite frankly, that's how I made my pivot early in my career out of really a technology background into finance and then into general management by mm. bringing something to the table. So, so I think, you know, that's why building a broad skill set so you have that portfolio of skills to at the ready when you are trying to make that change, um, you know, is, is, uh, is very handy. It comes in handy and it's important as you're making those changes, you know, in, in the, you know, in the writing uh, world, I think it is a little bit different because I think, you know, anybody can sit down with a, with a, a laptop and start writing right there's no there's no uh, you know uh, credential that i needed to sit down at my laptop and start creating a story right? right and and so that's great right it's like kind of like starting a business in a way right just but you just gotta sit down put your put your cheek in the seat and start working right <laughs> and, yep. and 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 just keep keep at it and so it is it is a you know it is kind of like uh, in a easy pivot to make from a standpoint of you can do it. Anybody can do it. We've seen people who have written things from coming from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's practice, it's work, it's, it's training, it's practice, it's work, it's training. It just, you, know, you really just, this is a, this is a um, skill you just have to keep developing and honing. And, and yes, whether it's a workshop or some other way, getting feedback, right. You know, and, and you have to figure out how you're going to get that feedback because, you can, you know, you know, drink your own Kool-Aid and think you're great, but if people aren't giving you a reaction to it, that's not going to be very helpful. It depends exactly. what you're trying to get out of it. You just, if you're just doing it just to, you know, some people just might want to write because it's, it's, they feel great about it. And, that, and I believe me, I think it's a great uh, cathartic process to go through. But if you're trying to make a career out of it, then you better get feedback along the way as you, with any kind of artistic endeavor. Sure. Yeah. You have to adjust the path as you're kind of walking at the same time, you know, because those things change too. Like, you know, some people start off not really realizing it's going to be a career and then all of a sudden their art realize they realize their art can make their career, you know? So I think it's, it's the, uh, the willingness to adapt along that path is definitely, definitely a huge piece of that. So I guess we can kind of transition. Um, what So what kind of skills did you find from your, executive background bleed over into the writing into the novel creation uh, was there any kind of i mean yeah maybe in the workshop area but the actual i'm talking more of like the physical 
the writing process, uh, story, plot, characters, whatever it is. Uh, was there any kind of like crossover skill sets between the two there that you found highlighted? Well, it's interesting, Glenn. It, it's, it's funny because I, I remember when I first came out of um, college and I was I had, I had a job, uh, it was in, in business, and I said, well, I'll, you know, I'll write in the evening, I'll write on weekends. And, you know, I found it very difficult to do because my brain kind of was tuned in one way. It was hard to kind of turn that off and then sit down and be creative. Mm-hmm. And um, it was disappointing, but I kind of said, well, I'll get back to it at some day. And I said, you know, someday when I get back to it also, you know, I'm always, it's amazing when you think about how many people are creative writers and novelists young in their career. Because in my case, I felt like, well, I haven't really experienced a lot of life to experiences other than <laughs> as, a, as a college to write about. And so I, I don't, my, my stories now, I think what, what, I, what I'm most proud of people's reaction to my book right now is how people have reacted to the depth of the characters that I've created. You know, several people have, you know, I've had a couple of nice reviews and several people, some arc readers who have said there's a lot of depth to the characters, they're real. And so I feel like that comes from a lot of life experience, right? And I'm not writing mm-hmm. about anybody particular I know, but I'm writing about everybody I know, if you know what I mean. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's that this, you, you can't, you, what I find for me is that all those experiences come out and all those uh, people I met, um, these aren't composite characters, but they, they are, it's pieces of, it's pieces of a lot of things. It's pieces of me, right? And, and those are things that, that have just developed uh, in my life over that 35 plus year, you know, career working with, you know, thousands of people. Right. Um, so, you know, to some extent, I feel like I'm much more well qualified as a human being to put these stories on paper now because, you know, I've lived a lot more. I've lived a lot more of my life than I did <laughs> at 21 years old mm-hmm. when, you know, I haven't really lived a lot to kind of, you know, have the experiences of uh, kind of creating stories. I find that for me, um, you, you have to write. And I think I've heard this from a lot of people too. I mean, I'm always impressed with people who can actually do a lot of research and then write about something they knew nothing about. Um, and I've done a lot of research for my book too, but you have, I think you, to be, to, for to be really good, you have to write what you know. Yeah. Um, and um, so uh, so I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but I do think that um, those experiences in the workplace, those experiences in life have translated onto paper. Um, and, um, and I think they do, I do think they come through. Absolutely. I, you know, I have to agree. I've been writing since I was a kid, but I, I have noticed in my own writing that I, I was able to, in, even if I can't express it, I, I feel like I'm going to try and attempt right now, but it won't even do it justice. But I still feel like with looking back at my own work, I can see that sense of, of experience kind of shine through, whether it's in the characters or the plot, whatever it is that I'm writing, I, it, it developed over time. And that's not something that a writer can rush as much as you might want to be, you know, this prodigy at age 18, like the chances of that happening are slim to none, but it, you know, a part of that piece is the environment. Like you have to kind of take into account what's going on in your life. Cause that, that is whether you realize it or not, it's going to come out in the writing. It's going to come out in your vocabulary, Absolutely. vernacular, the characters, whatever. 
Absolutely. Ha, and and you... it's funny you it's funny you said about rushing. I mean that's 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 an interesting point because I've I've I have felt myself at some points writing that I'm rushing, you know, I, I know what I'm trying to get to and I try and sometimes I just rush through it and you do, you know, again, everybody has a different writing style, but you know, for me, I find the story and the characters need to breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um and and it's very interesting. I mean, again, some people are just amazing that they can sit down and just kind of, you know, ramp through a story and get it out there. You know, I'll, my process is more, you know, get, get something down on paper, you know, get, uh, you know, four or five, six pages, just kind of get it out of my head, put it, put it aside. And literally like the next day I'll wake up lying in bed and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I tend to be a daydreamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and I find that that lying in bed first thing in the morning is kind of my best, almost my most creative time mm. to sit there and just noodle around what I just wrote the day before. And all of a sudden I just popping out of bed. I got, I got it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, you, it, it's rare for me to just kind of nail it the first draft through. It takes, even for those four or five pages, I got to kind of, it's like a piece of clay, right? Just keep right. molding and working it. Um, and, and I think that, by the way, I do think that that's similar to my work experience. You know, sometimes there's a problem that you're noodling through and, you know, your days rush through and stuff's coming at you left and right. And, you know, you might come home and, and have dinner and, you know, feeling stressed about it and you can't kind of see your way through it. And then uh, the next morning I'll wake up and, you know, just kind of lie there, lying there quietly. And then all of a sudden it's, it's like the puzzle comes together. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, you know, and I know what we got to do. Um, and so I think, I think that, you know, finding, and, and that works for me, right? So I guess my point is not to tell people that, okay. Oh, you sure, know, sure. You'll work in the morning. The point is, you know, don't fight what works for you, right? It's, it's you can, certainly you can train yourself and do, and do things differently, but if you find a process that works for you, it probably does translate, you know, back to your question earlier, Glenn, it, it translated for me from my business you know, you know, problem solving and writing is just problem solving, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it is probably, it it's a puzzle, right? And you're putting this puzzle together, you're solving the problem of how you're getting this character to that character and how you, how you're justifying this, uh, you know, this, this change. And, you know, it, it, it's a puzzle and it is problem solving. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's one piece at a time. I think, the the problem is that that rushing piece writing is something that takes time no matter what it is you're writing it's it's not right. something you can kind of rush through to get to that end point um and you know given how society operates these days with instant technology and instant information and instant feedback and, and media it, it's very difficult to kind of like switch that part of your mind off like you said earlier and then turn turn the other the creative side on so i think the the value in that empty space in the, in the shower thoughts or the, the early yep. morning shot thoughts, uh, stop and jots, whatever you, however you want to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I know people have been on the show talking about like morning pages and journaling those, those empty periods of time that aren't really empty are incredibly valuable to the writing process because that's where you, that's when you piece the puzzles together, right? That's when you, you kind of see the lines and how they all match up. So Absolutely. I guess what I'm getting at is, do you, have you noticed any seeds from your younger self? You said you started writing and 
being fond of creative writing when you were in high school. Do you see any seeds of that kind of coming through now, now that you're like back in the process and you have this lifetime of experience? Do you see any of the flowers of that earlier version of Mark versus the later version of Mark? Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the, you know, the joy of the process, you know, recapturing that joy, because I do remember, and, and also the joy of people's reaction. It mm. sounds kind of crazy, but I remember, I think I was in junior high school or middle school, as you call it, <laughs> I'm dating myself. <laughs> I remember that we were, the, the, we were reading Macbeth. And, um, and when we were finished, the, uh, uh, the teacher wanted us to kind of write you know, a, a, an alternative version, a creative alternative version of it. Right. And I remember writing something and, um, and I remember the, the reaction when, you know, the next day he comes in and he says, I want to read something to the class. And he read my essay and it, it was, it was a funny take on it. And, and the class was like hysterical roaring on the aisles. And I remember that what a great feeling that was <laughs> to be picked out. But I, I remember the fun of writing it too. I still remember how much fun I had just kind of like going off, you know, I mean, right. it's, it's just a riff. Right. And, and, and I, and I love that now. I mean, I, I my, my, um, my favorite, my favorite um, pieces in my book and writing, I, I love conversations, right. I love putting my, myself in people's heads and mm-hmm. it's like, it's like you're play acting, right. I mean, right. you really are. You're an actor. When you're writing characters, you're an actor. You're mm-hmm. putting yourself in that character's head. And what would that character say to this other character? And you've got to flip yourself into that person's head. And I think that took a while for me to get the hang of that. I mean, I remember in some of my earlier versions of the of the book, um, you know, this, my story is about three brothers. And some of the people in the workshop said they had trouble distinguishing between their voices, right? And And I really worked on you know, um, and two of the brothers, I kind of, I kind of understood right away, even though a lot of the story revolved around the third brother, the third brother, it was initially, I, uh, the story revolved around him, but I really understood the other two characters better. And it wasn't until I went back with a lot of revisions that the character of that first brother really came through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and a lot of that comes through, it develops, I find for me, in the dialogue, right? Because you got to put that voice on yep. paper and put yourself in his head. So not just what's happened to him and what his backstory is, but how was he reacting and thinking and mm-hmm. what would he say and what would he say to his brother, right? And so uh, really putting yourself in people's heads and, you know, you're on stage. You, you know, I'm putting on paper, but I'm on stage with myself, right? right? Acting through these different parts, you know, the, uh, one of the brothers is arguing with his wife, so you got to be the wife on that one. One of the brothers is arguing with his boss, you got to be the boss in that one. I mean, it's it really is. You're an actor, and I would I would even argue it's it's difficult because you're playing multiple roles. You're not just playing the one role. Right. You know, it's like right. when you're when you're an actor in a on a stage play, it's like you the audience sees you as just that one person, even though you know the whole script. When you're the writer. Right. You have to play all of the roles because you are writing the script. <laughs> right. And you've got to be authentic for all those roles. Right. Because people can, you know? even if they can't express it, they can pick up on that inauthenticity really, right. really, really quickly. Um, right. 
and you can tell yeah, anyone who's been in any kind of writing workshop knows how that feels <laughs> when someone's right. pointing that out. <laughs> well, that's but, what goes back to the value of having people give you feedback because, you know, you, yeah. your ear, your ear is not going to be good enough to only to hear all those different nuances. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we have, so I don't do, do, I don't think we mentioned the title of your book. What, what's the name of your book? So listeners know. <laughs> I feel yeah, like- it's called, it, uh, thank you. Yeah, it's called Memories Live Here. Yes. Um, and as I said, it's about three brothers, um, and, um, they, um, you know, the oldest one, Josh is, uh, is, he's the brilliant artificial intelligence, uh, engineer, and he's been hired by a Silicon Valley company to, uh, to lead a revolutionary project to, to, uh, bring back the greatest historical leaders and, uh, and to aid in modern decision-making using artificial intelligence. And, um, so he lives in Silicon Valley while his younger brother, Louie, is a investment banker on the East Coast. And he's uh, high powered and living on his at least living his own high wire act and spending beyond his means, gambling away whatever he has. And he and his wife are about to lose their Central Park penthouse if he doesn't close a big deal soon. <laughs> so he might be out on the street. And then there's the middle brother, Donnie. And life's never quite worked out for Donnie, especially after a knee injury in high school, ended his football career and is on the same day that his father dies in a mysterious car crash with his mother at the steering wheel. So um, anyway, the, the, the story turns when um, Josh's uh, AI project and Louis's big client get uh, hacked and held for ransomware. And all roads seem to lead back to their troubled brother, brother Donnie. And so one of the questions that they're dealing with is, what do you do? Do you turn your brother in? Um, and um, anyway, when they, when they discover their dead mother's diaries, uh, let's just say the Cheryl Project may provide some different solutions for where they're trying to head. Uh, I guess I'll leave it at that without spoiling much more of the book. I like that. You're a master of suspense there. And you got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of elemental strings being pulled there. It's fascinating too. Like even hearing you talk about it, I could hear, like we were just talking about, like the seeds of your experience. That you know, you got the tech in there. You have the the finance side, the, obviously the personal life. All of those things kind of tie together. It's funny, like it, like we were saying before. You know, the the life experience gets tied into work, regardless of you know its fictional state, right? I mean, right. there's still there's still pieces of it that need to be realistic for someone to actually you know be engaged in the reading of it so i think that's that's another important piece as well um so let me ask you how how long did the i guess we'll we'll start with the first draft because i know the editing process is a little wonky but how long did the first draft take you to write that's a great question um i'd say realistically it was probably two and a half years uh to get that first draft out of me and there was a lot of start and stops. Um, you know, there was, um, I, I didn't consistently work through it, but I would say after the, you know, after the year and a half of the start and stops, I kind of sat down and kind of dedicated to it myself to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I think once I got the, it's interesting because I had one of the reasons that took a little longer is once I had, I was pretty close to the end of the first draft and you know, people in the writer's workshop were continually asking me about this Donnie character and what his motivation was. And 
you know, I wasn't sure what it was yet, I, but I but I said, I'll get there. It'll get there. I, I, I kind of want, I had to want to write my way through the process. And right. guess what? I could never find my way there. So I literally had to go back and <laughs> retool Donnie uh, with a, with, with a set of motivations that made a lot more sense. So I think that's why it took me a little longer for that first draft because I literally had to go rework one of the characters. So I guess lesson learned is, you know, I know I, I, um, you know, I went to a, um, a virtual um, something called Thriller Fest. I don't know if any of your listeners know what Thriller Fest is, but it's, you know, it's in New York City once a year. This year it wasn't in person because um, <clears throat> obviously because of COVID. Uh, so <laughs> yep. we did we did it on on Zoom, um, and it was terrific. So you get you know thirty minute interviews with you know you name the author, they were there, and it was so fascinating hearing them each speak about their process of how they do it. And one of the key things is, do you outline at a time or do you just write? And I would say it's about half and half, right? Half of them say do detailed outlines. You know, somebody said James Patterson writes like an 80 page outline before he writes anything. Um, and some just kind of Jeez. do it organically and just kind of let it flow. And I think for my first uh, book, I would put myself much more in the organic. I mean, I knew, I knew where mm -hmm. I wanted to get to. I knew how I wanted the book to, I knew why, how I wanted the ending to take place, not the ending end of the book, but I knew what I wanted the final uh, chapters to be about. So, so, but I had no idea how I was going to get there. So it was a journey right. to kind of find my way there. For my second novel I'm working on now, <clears throat> absolutely <laughs> an outline, I think has been, <laughs> I don't want to go through that again. No, because I, you do want, you do want to, you do want to nail down all those you know, motivations and storylines, you know, storyboard it mm -hmm. somewhat. Uh, it doesn't have to be, I'm not doing 80 pages. Mine's more like a three, four page, um, you know, synopsis, which I continue to, right. which I continue to change, by the way. But I think my goal is it won't take me two and a half years for a first draft for this one. Hopefully I'm about, you know, I've been working on it for six months. I'm about probably two thirds of the way through. So I think I excellent, learned a lot excellent. more. You know, learn a little bit. Learn. You have to learn about your own process. You learn about your what works, what doesn't work, and and I think also right. just much more dedicated to putting my you know my butt in the seat and just making sure I'm writing every day. Sure. Yeah. I. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned the 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 say. I learned the same lesson about outlining. My my first longer work. I kind of got stuck. It took me a while. You know, I had to do some retooling, reshaping the characters, and then like third fourth go around i was like you know what i need to do this outline because even though like you said like the outline might change you might shape it you might change it that's a lot easier to do than go back and revise like every single chapter you've already written because you decided to change this character's behavior yep, yep, you know absolutely and uh, you know i think you said it best it's about learning your own process uh like you said you know half half the professional authors there did an outline and the others did it right. and you know if that works for them that's great and if that works for you that's also great if it doesn't you got to find a way around I think it that's right i mean i think glenn that's what i said earlier that you know something about this writing process says everybody's different and, and finding what works for you and, and by the way that's life too right i mean that's that's i think in your, yeah. in your job you know some people are you know just are much more um you know intuitive some people have to do a lot more homework uh, i mean it's everybody's everybody's different and just because somebody else is doing something one way doesn't mean it's going to work for you but try things on i mean i i always you know throughout my whole career i was was always trying things on that i 
her, you know, best practices was kind of a, you know, a very big term in, in, in my 15 years of GE and many other places I worked, um, you know, don't try to reinvent the wheel if somebody's doing something outlining or, um, you know, any other thing that you might hear, try it. Don't get frustrated. It doesn't work for you, but then try something else. And that probably will work for you. So learning from others, which I guess is one of your, I know one of the big things of your, your, what you're trying to do with your terrific podcast here, but learning from others is, is, you know, and, and not trying to reinvent the wheel and, and listening. I mean, just really listening to people and, and getting their story and, and, um, trying things off a size, um, you know, getting mentors, uh, to learn from, you know, cultivating mentors and mentees also, you know, it's, 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 uh, you learn from both, you learn, you learn from peers, you learn from everybody. Just, you know, I think, you know, when you're out there working, just, you're, you know, it's funny. I, I remember when I first started working and just, again, it shows how naive I was. Um, you know, people would talk about, well, you'll learn a lot at that job. And I said, learning. I didn't know you I'm out of school. What do you mean learning? <laughs> you're, all, you're always <laughs> learning. You know, you're always learning. Right. It's a journey. And, and, and having fun. That was the other thing. I remember people, what do you mean you're having fun at work? Because it's work. What do you mean you're having fun? No, you, if you're not having fun at work, then you're, you know, I mean, look, I was fortunate enough to, you know, be in, in great positions and I had a lot of fun doing things. There, there were, there were tough times and every job you're going to have tough times. Um, it's up and down. That's a career, right? Um, mm-hmm. You have tough times writing. I mean, there are many days I sit in front of the computer. I go, I just can't get this. It, I just, you know, so I've learned to walk away and come back, as I said, the next day and try again. But, you know, it's um, writing is work. I mean, that's the other thing. It, it started out being, oh, this will be fun. And but once I committed, I was writing a novel, you know, it's it is work, you know, and you have to you have to, you have to mm-hmm. commit yourself to it. Um, and now I'm in the next stage of, you know, OK, now you've written it and now, you know, you want to get it out there and you've got to learn about, you know, marketing and publishing and and, uh, you know, all the different tools and you know it, it is it is kind of like a little mini business you've got to put yourself on that you got to put that hat on otherwise you've written something and look that might be fine some people just want to write something and let it sit out there and go on to the next thing that that's cool i mean it depends what your motivation is um right. you know i i i am uh, i would like to get it out and and i think people uh, I'm, I'm excited about how the reaction i've had to it so far people have enjoyed it um and um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I know nothing about book marketing, but I'm learning. <laughs> well, that's the thing I wanted to highlight is, you know, again, that that's the whole purpose of betterism is to kind of uh, reshape the attitude towards the learning process. Yep. Um, the, the learning process, and I find a lot of parallels with the writing process as well, but the, the learning process, as you just expressed so well, you know, there's, there's ups and there's downs. There's times where you're going to have so much fun that you, you don't even realize you're learning. And at the same time, there's also going to be downs where you ask yourself, like, why the hell am I doing what I'm doing? You yeah. know, writing is no different, right? There's, there's different stages. You have the, you know, the original drafting, the outlining, right? Then yeah. you have the revising, the editing. And like, like you were just saying, you have the, the marketing and promotion side of this. If again, if one chooses to take that route, yeah. but you know, the parallels there are almost boundless. I, I feel like learning 
is something that, as you said, it, it does not end, even though most people think, all right, I'm done with school. Learning's done, right? And I, I finished my training course. That's it. It's like, no, I mean, now you have to, now you have to go on to the next phase, the application, the practical, yep. right? You have to like apply what you learn. Um, you know, I noticed too, I run a bookstagram account, mm-hmm. a personal one. And I noticed, you know, I try to keep it balanced between fiction and nonfiction. But what I notice is a lot of people who read nonfiction, they post about it. And then they're on to the next book without any application side, mm-hmm. right? There's no like taking what you learned from the book and then actually like putting it into practice because that is, that is a piece of the learning process is taking what you, what you've learned and then turning around and trying to apply it or even better one up yourself and try to teach it, you know, cause that way you'll kind of retain the information Absolutely. more writing. I have found to be similar in that lane. Um, I'm an, I'm a teacher by day, mm-hmm. right? My, I teach English reading and writing public school. And I find myself becoming a better reader and writer by teaching the skills that I am learning about. Right. And it's funny. You don't, you know, I I've had countless students now 10 years into education. Um, and it's funny how often I find that their questions and their prompts and sometimes even their own writing stimulate my, my own thinking. And they, they shape the way that I perceive and the way that I put those things into practice. Right. And it's kind of, it's kind of, again, I I see the parallel, like you're saying with uh, with Thrillfest, it's like you have the, you're, you're meeting with these authors and you're listening to them talk about their craft and what they're doing. And they might not realize it, but they're, you know, teaching at the same time, you take those things and then you try to apply it in your own craft Right. And then your craft kind of takes its own form and then you pass it on. Here we are having this podcast conversation where you're talking about your book and your process and what stages you're at. Right. I mean, it's like this never ending circle. Yeah. And learning is this that huge piece of that. The crux of it is is the learning process. Yes. No, I think that's very well said, Glenn. I mean, look, I was thinking as you were saying all that, um, you know, everybody has, and there's no one way, there's no one right way, right? right? It's right. everybody, you know, I, I, I used to joke and maybe it wasn't much of a joke, but I used to say the, you know, my career sometimes felt like that leaf in Forrest Gump, you know, I just, the, you know, I mean, some people, I, yeah. I was always envious of people who said they knew, you know, like people in high school, they knew they wanted to be a doctor. Like, How did you know in high school you wanted to be a doctor? Like they, they, the path <laughs> is laid out. They know what they've got to do. They're going to go to college. They're going to be in biology. They're going to go to med school and boom, they're done. And, and, you know, a lot of people know what they want. Right? Very envious of people always was that kind of, to me, it was like, I kind of, uh, my career was a journey. And um, I think I, I um, took advantage of opportunities, right? And, and I think that's mm-hmm. probably another good lesson for many listeners is don't be afraid to take a swing at something. It may not be right in your, in your lane today, uh, but that's, as you said, that's how you learn, right? You, you, get, you stay mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. You're never going to grow, um, and if you stay safe, you you know you may not learn, and um, you know. But you want to you want to make calculated, you know, moves, right? You're meaning you, it's you don't want to just do okay. Well, like I, I wouldn't have done this, you know. My kids are now you know well grown up and on their own, and they don't need me for their financial support, mm-hmm. um, and so I wouldn't have done this pivot. I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I would not have had the courage or, I don't know, stupidity. I don't know if I would not have done it 20 <laughs> years ago when I was staring at college bills and, and for my kids and, 
and you know mortgages and all that stuff to to uh, to for for my house and until we sold it. So you know, it, I, I have I have the ability to you know in my retirement years uh, to do this. Um, which, by the way, maybe that's another podcast for you. I'll tell you, there's, there's a whole realm of people at my step, at this stage of, of life who, you know, looking what, what's their encore. You know, there's a great organization called Encore.org, which is a link, mm-hmm. links and people in retired mode. And, you know, I mean, my wife jokes that she's, I'm, you know, she looks at me, she says, you're the busiest retired guy I've ever seen, um, <laughs> which I think is important. You know, I think, look, yeah, just because you retired doesn't mean, you know, I mean, some people can play golf every day. That's not for me. And I think most people are looking for a purpose, even after it's, you know, uh, you know, they stop working. And and um, you know, I do a lot of volunteer work. I'm on a couple of boards. And but this is what I do. And this is really what I do. I, I consider myself, you know, yes, at the beginning, you know, with your title, I said I'm an I'm an author. And that's what that's what I consider myself now. And mm-hmm. um, that's I've made that transformation. And I feel very confident. I would not have said that when I started this journey, you know, two three years ago. But I feel very confident in saying mm-hmm. that now. And, um, you know, the good thing about doing that at this stage of your career, there's nobody who's going to say, hey, you know, you're, you're done, you know, you're, you're, you know, you gotta, you're too old to be doing this, you got to stop doing this. No, just keep going, right? It's, um, yeah. and, uh, and, and boys, it's fun. That's, uh, so what could be better than that? Right. I always think of, uh, you know, those kinds of stories always remind me of Vonnegut, you know, he spent his his working life writing and no one really, I shouldn't say no one, but uh, his, his work didn't really start receiving the attention until, you know, he was older. Yeah. Right. And, and that just goes to show you the, the value of the, the drive and the passion to kind of answer your calling and keep going with it, you know? Um, and I guess, I guess maybe I'm speaking with a little bit of bias there because he is one of my personal yeah, writing sure. idols, but I mean that, that sense of, of continued movement motion, you know, that that's something that I think needs to be recognized. Yep. So how, how do you, if you had any advice, how does one recognize an opportunity that might be in another lane, like you were mentioning? Is there something you did to kind of see those things or highlight them for yourself? I mean, I, 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 I would say that, um, you know, when you, no matter where you are in your career, um, you're always, you're always working with other people. And you know, I, I guess I'd like to think I paid attention to what they were doing, uh, listened to their stories. Um, and, you know, sometimes you listen to that and say, well, that sounds kind of cool. Uh, tell me more about that. And sometimes you listen to that and say, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I would never want anything to do with that. Um, and, right. you know, you, you, even if you don't consciously doing it, you're always kind of filtering things out. You know, you're filtering out those those other people's journeys and stories. And, and, and sometimes you don't do as much homework and, you know, I have had, I've stumbled into things that I wish I hadn't taken on because it sounded cool, but I hadn't done my homework. So I'd say, make sure you do your homework to make sure it doesn't, not just a, a title or, or, you know, something that sounded cool, but really is, you know, there's nothing like, you know, we, we, um, one of the boards I'm involved with is, a, is this organization, a not-for-profit called Futures and Options. We provide uh, internships to inner city high school kids in, in New York city. And, you know, these are kids who, you know, the 16, 17 years old uh, in the inner city. And you know, they don't have necessarily role models that have worked in places like JP Morgan Chase uh, or, you know, or, uh, or the gap or anything like that. So, so right. we arrange for them to get internships 
and it's hard right now, obviously with COVID. So we're doing some virtual uh, internships, which is working okay, but you know, but there's nothing like them going to the office, seeing what it's like, you know, to actually go to work, you know, dress appropriately, sit at a desk, you know, uh, shake somebody's hand, seeing people right. around you, and experience it. And that's what we try to do with that. So I think, but that's a great that's a journey for everybody to, you know, if listen for opportunities, put yourself out there in those opportunities. If there's a meeting about something in marketing and your finance, figure out how to get yourself invited to that meeting, listen to what it's about. Uh, maybe get yourself involved in a project that crosses over uh, different boundaries so you can kind of hear what they're doing and they can get to know you better. Um, so there's nothing like people getting to know you in the real, you know, to see what you can do as opposed to just, hey, somebody they saw in the lunch line uh, you right. know what I mean? So uh, experiencing your, your, your skills and your quality and finding opportunities, back to your, word, your question about opportunities, finding opportunities to show people what you can do, even if you aren't necessarily working in that company or that area or that department um, or that, or that um, you know, where, these, where that skill set can, can come through. And sometimes the skill set may be nothing more, hey, Glenn's a really good guy. You know, he, he meets his commitments. He told me he's going to get this to me. He did. You know, and um, well, that translates. I mean, that just committing to people, committing to people what you're going to do and doing it, that's a big time skill set that translates everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You you know, a lot of times people um, uh, had the, con well, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but I guess sometimes the context around the word opportunity can almost be taken as if it's something outside of your own control. Whereas what you're saying and what I think is important to recognize is that opportunities can also be created based on one's own actions. Absolutely. Right? Like following, like you said, like following through on something is a skill set, and, you know, putting that into action and, and actually demoing it, demonstrating it in front of people, you know, again, someone who is authentic and cares, can, they will recognize those things regardless of the industry, if it's Absolutely. creative or, or business, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's, that's very well said, Glenn. That's, that's very true. You want, you know, when, when you're going through your career, you want people around you who, you know, are going to make it easier to get done what you're trying to get done, not harder. Right. Right. So if I see that you're a guy who can get stuff done, if I'm committing to something to somebody else, I want Glenn around me because he's going to help us, you know, achieve our mission, no matter what his skill set is, he meets his commitments. I can't think of any skill that's more important than that, quite frankly. Hmm. Interesting. I like that. Well, I think that's a good place to kind of tie it full circle with the network and the experience. Um, you want to transition over to those rapid fire questions? Sure. I'll see if I can do them justice. <laughs> uh, so I, I call them rapid fire. They don't have to be rapid. Sometimes they go off, we go off on tangents, but you know, however you're comfortable answering them is totally cool. Um, okay. So the first question is, what are you currently reading and would you recommend it to our listeners? So it's a, it's, um, it's a I'm dating myself a little bit. Um, but for some reason recently, and maybe it's a little bit of what happened on, on January 6th, but uh, I recently picked up 1984, George Orwell. 
Mm-hmm. And I hadn't read it probably since high school. I seem to be going back to my high school days. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> themes here. And it's, I, I really, very, I remember very little about the book. It is just striking um, and frightening reading that story with everything that's been going on in our country over the past few years. So uh, if, if you haven't read it and you're looking for a stark reminder of how things could go off the rails, um, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Um, and it, you know, that's to me, I, I'm talking to us, you and I talking right now, I might have to go back and reread this. It's been a while for me as well, but you know, that's one, to me, that's one of those books that stands out as how, how, um, important a piece of fiction can be on culture yep. and how much it can affect people's mode of thought. Um, even though it's, you know, it's, it is dated, obviously it's, it wasn't written in 1984, it was written prior to that, but the, the concepts of it, the way that Orwell uses his narration as characters to drive something that's bigger than the story itself yep. is really, it's really something else. I think it might be time I reread that too. Yeah, no, and, he, and nothing else. He's, he's a, he's a fantastic writer. Um, yeah. and I, I love reading, you know, really good writers. I mean, I read a lot of Stephen King cause I think he's just such a wonderful writer. Um, Absolutely, and um, but I've got a lot of people I love uh, that are great writers, and you, you learn from every single one of them. And that's probably the best advice I got, you know, when I started this whole journey was read a lot. You know, anybody yep. anybody thinks they could write without reading is out of their minds. Yeah, you have to you have to be a reader if you want to write. Yeah. It's no doubt about that. All right, cool. Um, so question two, Mark, what is your favorite meal to prepare and cook? This could be for your friends, for your family, for yourself. Um, but do you have a favorite dish? Uh, it's probably just barbecue. I mean, I, I've, you know, I'm lucky nice. enough. My, my wife is the cook around here. So, and, uh, I've, I've tried a few things and she's pretty quick at throwing me out of the kitchen when things go, <laughs> things go, go astray. So I don't want to take any credit because if, if she listens to this, she'll say, what do you, what do you mean? You don't cook anything. So, so I'll <laughs> leave it to, leave it to the, I'm the, I'm the grill meister outside in the summertime. Do you have any specialties on the grill? Uh, just uh, chicken. I like a good, good chicken, barbecue chicken. Oh, nothing beats that. Yeah. The crispy taste. Oof. All right, cool. Uh, so question three, um, and this can come from the conversation or it can be something else you want to pull and tie it all together. That's up to you. But, uh, what's one life lesson that you would like to pass on to listeners today? So, um, you know, I, hopefully if you, if people, uh, if I'm honored enough that people would pick up the book, uh, they would see in my dedication page is to my wife and my my son and my daughter with one line just says, it's never too late. And that's probably the one lesson I would say for anybody, you know, no, no matter where you are in your life, you know, and what the issue is, if it's something you're trying to go after, something you want to do, you know, saying, well, you know, too late, that, that ship sailed, uh, I, you know, I'm too old or not experienced enough, whatever it is you know, I'd say it's never too late. And, you know, for me, it's not just about the transition to author, but, you know, I think the this, this story is about it's never too late, impact of these brothers. It's never too late for, you know, reconciliation, um, forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, or for career changes. It's, it's, you know, you just got to be smart about it. But I think that to me is, was, is my, you know, that's the story. That's, that's what I hope to come away with from the book and well, I guess what I'd leave your readers with as well. Excellent. Yeah. That is a beautiful piece of life advice. Uh, you may think it is, but it is not. It's never too late. 
All right, Mark. Well, um, I appreciate having you on the show and I am very grateful um, of your time. Where can listeners find you online if they want to reach out, if they want to check out your book, uh, sure. just communicate, bounce ideas off you? Where can they find you? Sure. Well, my um, uh, website is um, MarkScheinbaumBooks.com. And it's purposely says books, plural, because even though I only have one book, it's a commitment to me. <laughs> There'll be more Ooh, than one. I like that. So yeah. uh, the website's there and uh, there's a contact uh one there i would love people to send me their contact information and promise to get information out to them um i think you'll uh, you'll see and there's an interesting page there about artificial intelligence that, that kind of relates to the story um so i encourage you there and then uh starting this friday i'm not sure when this will hit the airwaves but on uh friday the 22nd the book will go on pre-sale on uh amazon and it'll be launched um, for uh, a publication on sale on uh, February 5th. So uh, again, it's uh, Memories Live Here. Um, and um, so that's how they can find me. Excellent. I think we'll be, I think the show should be coming out right around that time too. So that'll be perfect timing. Terrific. Excellent. Great. Awesome. Um, Mark, it has been a pleasure. I look forward to our future conversations. Um, and we'll have to connect again soon. Glenn, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks very much for uh, giving me the opportunity. Very much. All right, man. Have a great night. Thank you too, Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Just one more quick thing before you take off. Um, I wanted to take a second to express my sincere gratitude for your time and your attention. It's appreciated way more than you realize. Um, if you'd like to support our cause and what we're doing here at Betterism, there's a few ways you could do that. Um, you could share, rate, or review the show. Um, it's available wherever you get podcasts. You can join our blog and contribute some of your wisdom to our growing family. Or if you're able to, you can donate or subscribe any amount to paypal.me bingbang. That link is in the show notes. Um, thanks again so much for your time and I hope you have a great day. Well, that's it friends. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to swing through again. If you'd like to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building and remember friends, stay learning.